sky so bright, just like raindrops in the window pane. When your eyes are blue, something's wrong with you. Let me kiss the love light back again. Brown eyes, why are you blue? Hello and welcome back to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. So today I'm going to be finishing up my thoughts about Aerosmith. I've, I've already given you like two and a half hours maybe or so of uh, commentary on Aerosmith. So I'll try to be quick today as we wrap up uh, this, this book. Uh, basically we have the climax of the book, which is this uh, plague in... Uh, the East in West Indies uh, Island count it's called St. Hubert but it spreads beyond that a little bit and, and into a couple islands uh, and then the aftermath of that really was what happens to to Martin Aerosmith what happens to his career where does he go how does he end up reconciling all these different tensions uh, in the medical profession so obviously the major theme of this book is how medicine is compromised medicine is is politicized it is, um, it's the institutionally political. It, it, there's tensions between the practicing doctor and research. There's tension between practical research and and theoretical research. There's tensions between the scientific method, the proper way of doing things, especially when you're dealing with life and death, and then you know saving people's lives. So all these tensions have been explored throughout the first 400 pages of the book. It's all really set up for this climax uh, on this island. Um, and it's really interesting. It's actually a pretty exciting um, nail-biter in, in a lot of ways. Um, so, But anyways, I'll, I'll try to be quick because I, I think thematically everything's kind of on the table at this point in the novel. It's just about resolving that uh, in, this, in, in this moment. But this is great stuff. This is really um, some very, very interesting... Um, sections of the book maybe my favorite part of the book i like the college stuff too to be honest uh but but it's great it's 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 a wonderful novel overall i really do recommend this so uh in chapter 33 i, I didn't take notes very carefully chapter by chapter i just sort of wrote down um what i thought i read this most recently so i just uh maybe i won't have quite the chapter by chapter summary but i'll do my best um, anyways, they, he arrives with uh, this with Sondelius, his assistant, who's ends up kind of being in charge in a way. There's kind of a, not a real clear leadership uh, here because again, everything's politicized, medicine's politicized. So you got the local doctors who feel that their voice is important. You have local democracy, in in part. Of course, the people who are at risk are dying. They they want to have a say in this. Um, and then ultimately, the solution is i mean there's two both highly political both uh very tense one is burning villages uh to kill mass kill the rats i mean that's what has to be done in 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 these cases and of course people don't want to see their homes burnt down they, their villages burnt down um and especially they don't want foreigners coming in and saying this is what has to be done and the other thing is you got to make sure this phage works this antitoxin that um Martin developed, and how do you make sure it works? Well, you have a control group and a and a group you give the medicine to, and if the people who get the medicine are less sick, 
less likely to get disease, the plague, or don't get it at all, and the other group gets it. It shows you it works, but it also means you're putting half of the population or half of the test group at risk. Um, and you're basically dooming people, you're condemning people to, to die uh, if you just gave everyone the medicine. Fewer people would die, but then you don't really have a firm basis for knowing why, you know, is this working or not. So it's, it's um, you know, I don't know if this is, I'm sure this is a decision people are making now with this coronavirus vaccine, right? There's some people who say once we have a vaccine, we should just get it out there to the population as quick as possible. Others saying, well, we have to go through this process, make sure it works, make sure it's safe, but that's going to cost lives. You know, people will die because we do it the proper way, uh, but that might save more lives overall. And you know, obviously, these are things that are, are really, really close to home in our day and age right now, right in the midst of this pandemic. I'm sure these episodes will be up while this pandemic is still ongoing. What I've heard is it may be a whole nother year. This is uh, October 2000, maybe a whole other year before we're somewhat back to normal. But anyways, um, he arrives at St. Hubert um, and there's all these new characters that he is introduced to, like the local kind of head doctor, uh, Dr. Uh, Inchape Jones. Um, you have uh, you have a black doctor who emerges named Oliver Marchand and... This is something you don't really pick up earlier in the novel in any clear way. Is that Martin's racist? Uh, of course, white people at this day and age were often quite racist, but um, he's tested on it. I mean, Martin, to be fair, you know, thinks, oh, black doctor, what can he know? And finds out that he's actually quite informed and knowledgeable and, and useful. And then he actually begins to change his mind on his racial prejudices. So that's good. Uh, so it's a small footnote in the story overall, but it, it does have some effect that we see Martin is at the end of the day, a good scientist and looks at the world rationally. Um, now this is also a modern plague. It, it just like how modern warfare, I think I've mentioned this a few times in this podcast at some point, how modern warfare is a war of bureaucrats and accounting. And, you know, it's a numbers game largely um logistics i mean even from the time of Clausewitz, you know it was clear that war was becoming more about supply and infrastructure and, and all these kinds of things it's the same with modern plague um quote a plague epidemic today in a civilized land is no longer the affair of people dying on the streets and of drivers shouting bring out your dead the fight Against it is conducted like modern warfare with telephones instead of foaming chargers. The ancient horror bears a face uh, bears a face of efficiency. There are offices, card indices, bacteriological examinations of patients, and the rats. There is or should be a lone director with superlegal powers. There are large funds, education of the public by placarding newspaper, brigades of rat killers, a corps of disinfectors, isolation of patients, less vermin carry vermin carry the germs from them to others. In most of the particulars, Incapi Jones had failed. Um, and there's kind of a little bit of an imperialist narrative here, too. Um, obviously, these are islands that have gotten their independence or some degree of independence from France or, or England. And the local leadership, of course, is very sensitive about these Americans coming in to save the day. Um, there's a bit of that here, too. But, you know, especially when they're coming in and saying, we got to burn your villages or we got to put half your population at risk to test this this treatment um 
Other people we run into, actually, we uh, we run into Ira Hinckley, who was one of the people we met like way back, like in chapter two, who was one of uh, Aerosmith's co-students uh, at the University of Winnemac, and he went to become a medical missionary. And here is a medical missionary. Um, so now the big tension here on the island is Martin's desire to do this experiment. He's got this phage. He's tested on rats. He's got to test it among humans, but he hasn't had a chance to do it till now, till this plague breaks out. He, it seems to work, but he's got to have the control group and the, the group that gets the treatment. And he proposes this and people are like, no, I'm not going to let put half my population at risk when you have the treatment right now. Uh, of course, remember what Gottlieb said about this is if you just start coming, get, treating everyone without the proof, you're basically a snake oil salesman. But um, Ira actually stands up and gives this very long speech condemning Martin, calling him like a washout from the University of Winnemac, crazy guy uh, for, you know, doing it this way. A lot of tensions here with us. Now, Ira eventually dies. He dies just a few days later. But um, a lot of people die, actually. Sondelius also dies. Um, he also gets infected with the, with the disease. He kind of takes the leadership initially, and he's, he's an advocate of giving everyone the medicine, too, because it's going to save lives. He's also very, very fierce in his war against the rats, like rat-killing brigades, burning villages, burning whole area especially this one village of carob it's called it's like the centerpiece of the of this plague and sandilus really wants to just burn down the whole um, village and the whole woods around it because it's not just being spread by the rats at this point it's being spread by these squirrels and and they're even you know it's one thing to kill all the rats it's killing the squirrels is more complicated so just burning out the village would be better but he eventually dies and um, Martin becomes increasingly hated. It's really a flashback to when he was in public health before in the city of Nautilus, where everyone ended up hating him because of what he had to do uh, to treat, I think it was a cow infection at the time, an infection among the cows, but it got him in trouble with the unions. He wasn't a very good politician, right? And I, I think Sinclair Lewis's point here obviously is doctors shouldn't be politicians. Doctors should be scientists, and they should be un uncorrupted. And that's why this novel ultimately, I think, is a, is an, is a, has a happy ending. It's, there's a lot of tragedy before we get there, but it's got a happy ending because it shows Martin finally saying, I'm going to give up career. I'm going to give up fame. I'm just going to do research. I'm just going to be a doctor. Right? I'm just going to be a, a researcher. And he literally kind of ends up out in the woods. So it ends up being kind of a happy ending, but to get there, he has to basically burn a lot of bridges with, with people. He has to become a bit of a monk. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Um, so Martin is being hated for his policies, and eventually he goes to this other island, a near, nearby island, and there he meets a woman. He leaves Leora. Why he brings her to this plague-infested area, I don't know, but he ends up leaving her behind in St. Hubert. He goes to this other island, to do his experiment, and he runs into Joyce Landon, who is a widow. Uh, she's rich. She actually has plantations in the Caribbean, and that's why she's there, but she got stuck. She got quarantined on this other island. So he meets her, and he instantly sort of falls in love with her. It's very much like the old Orchid story from a few chapters back, where he basically fell in love with this um, this, this woman, this 
you know, the eldest daughter of his boss, essentially. And, you know, he almost leaves his wife for her, but eventually the guy gets a job. This was when he was working at public health and the, the guy gets a job in Washington. He gets elected to Congress, takes his daughter with him. And, you know, that's resolved. But he has that same kind of infatuation for this uh, Joyce uh, Landon. Now, but this new island does give him a chance to do his experiment, and he proves the phage works. He's able to show that the treatment helps these people, but the people who don't get it don't aren't improved. But the cost of this, doing this, is Leora dies back at home. She gets exposed to the plague, dies alone, dies tragically. It's really, really kind of heartbreaking. And Martin feels really guilty about this, because not only did he abandon her, essentially, in St. Hubert's, uh, put her at risk, but he's basically been having an emotional affair uh, this whole time with this other woman on this island. Um, but eventually he's, he's able to spread his phage, treat, the, treat this, but he, he kind of loses it after he finds out, after he goes back and finds out Leora dies. He basically loses it. He starts going back to his old habit of drinking. He starts, uh, which is, it comes back. I mean, it was something early in the novel that he had propensity to drink, but it hasn't really come up since, but it comes up here under this time of crisis. He did, he has resentment towards a lot of other people, including Joyce, but we do see that the treatment is successful and, and he, he's able to return to New York, kind of a hero. And, and that's part of, Here's where we get Sinclair Lewis being really, really cynical and sarcastic a little bit, where he's really able to say, you know, this guy, he become, he comes back a hero. And he, it's the journalism likes to inflate one person as the guy who kind of saves the day rather than the whole infrastructure and all the people who are involved and also downplaying the tragedy of it all, right? Um, so, again, kind of it's still politicized in a way. But um, he returns to New York, famous. He he's actually in a higher position in the institute now because Gottlieb got he resigned and and this other guy got promoted. Holbird Holbird um, was raised up as a director, and he's kind of uh, he's on Martin's side, but he's not the same type of like Gottlieb. He's still very practical. So anyways, that's basically resolves the climax of the novel. And then the rest of the book is really just essentially resolving what happens to Martin from this point on. Um, we don't get to see his whole career unfold. We just basically see the first half of his career, let's say. Um, but he's on his way up, right? He's famous. He's higher up in this institute. He eventually could be director of the institute if he wanted. He's got a new hot wife eventually i mean there's a whole chapter focusing on joyce landon basically courting martin seducing him she even gives him money at one point because she's super rich so he gives her gives him a bunch of money and says okay if you ever need me buy me a gift or to treat me use this money to do it it's kind of funny it's like there's still the gender uh normalcy of the man pays but she's got all the money so she gives him money so that he can pay i think that's kind of cute but eventually he proposes to her. They go to Europe for their honeymoon. And Martin very quickly becomes seduced by the high-class life. Uh, he really does like it. And, and this distracts him from his work. It distracts him from his research. In fact, another distraction becomes he's basically given the chance to 
to be next in line to rise up to be the director and and Joyce wants him to do this Joyce Landon thinks why wouldn't you want to do this she also wants him to focus on his career move up she kind of marries him for his fame his position not his money but certainly she doesn't want him to be a a goat leap type character um but this event, he has a kid with her, but eventually he has to ruin his relationship with Joyce. And I think they get, they sort of get divorced or they're separated by the end of the novel. You know, he, he, he turns his back on, on married life. Um, and eventually he says, I am going to be a doctor. And so he just kind of focuses on that. He kind of turns his back on all these things. And he, fo- you know, there's even a whole subplot here where the boss Hollabird says, this is all in the following action of the book, though. But Hollabird says, you know, that flu pandemic, I don't know if the flu pandemic was pointed out directly, but he's like, you know, good work on the phage, but it's time to start doing on influenza. We need to, to focus on treatment for influenza. Obviously, after World War I, uh, a flu plant pandemic killed millions of people, killed more people than World War I killed. Um, we're all very familiar with this now in this age of COVID-19. Um, but he's trying to push him to do that. And no, he wants to finish his research on his phage. So once again, we see politics kind of get in the way of good, proper research. Um, now, the final part of the novel just gives us kind of a tour of the remaining characters and what they're up to. Um, and it's kind of cute. It's a little tour of the characters. But eventually... Um, Although the final line is very optimistic in the sense of the themes of the book. Obviously, he loses his family. He lost his first wife. He, you know, so many people died in this epidemic, despite him trying to save them. Uh, his, his kind of the person he looked up to, Sondelius, uh, that relationship was soured and then he died. So um, I'll read the final because we get this tour of these different characters um, in the final page of the book. Quote, on a certain evening in May, Congressman Almas Pickerball was dining with the President of the United States. When the campaign is over, doctor, said the President, I hope we shall see you a cabinet member, the first Secretary of Health and Eugenics in the country. That evening, Dr. Rippleton Holderbird was addressing a meeting of celebrated thinkers assembled by the League of Cultural Agencies. Among the men of measured merriment on the platform were Dr. Aaron Soltis, the new director of the McGurk Institute, and Dr. Angus Dewar, head of the Dewar Clinic and professor of surgery at Fort Durban Medical College. Dr. Holabert's apocalypse address was being broadcast by radio to millions of ardent listeners, lovers of science. That evening, Bert Tozer in Wheatsylvania, North Dakota, was attending midweek prayer meetings. His new Buick sedan awaited him outside with the modest satisfaction he heard the minister gloat. The righteous, even the children of God, they shall be rewarded with a great reward, and their feet shall walk in gladness, said the Lord of hosts. But the mockers, the sons of Belial, they shall be slain for times and cast down in the darkness and failure, and in the busy marts shall they be forgot. Now I'll stop there for a second, because that's, that's uh, Bert Tozer is, is Leora's father. Um, Tozer is her maiden name. This is a little hint of what we're going to get in the next novel, uh, which is all about the tension between the urban and the rural, religious and secular. It's, it's really kind of like Scope's monkey trial, most of microcosm in the next book, but also looks at the corruption of the priest. You know, as good as Martin Aerosmith is as a character, just, you know, flawed, but 
basically a good person. The character in the next novel, Elmer Gantry, is not that. But it's really into the, the culture wars. Let me get a little bit of that here. Okay, moving on. Uh, quote, that evening, Max Goatleap sat unmoving and alone in a small dark room above the banging city street, only his eyes were alive. That evening, the hot breeze languished across the palm-wavering ridges where the ashes of Gustav Stondelius were lost among the cinders and a depression in a garden marked with the grave of Leora. That evening, after an unusually gay dinner with, Lath with Latham, Ireland, Joyce admitted, Yes, if I do divorce him, I may marry you. I know it. He's never going to see how egotistical it is to think he's the only man who's always right. That evening, Martin Arrowsmith and Terry Wickett lulled out in a clumsy boat, an extraordinarily uncomfortable boat, far out in the water. I feel as if I were really beginning to work now, said Martin. This new quinine stuff may prove pretty good. We'll plug it on along for two or three years, and maybe we'll get something permanent. And probably will fail, end quote. So he's finally able to do his, his re research. And, you know, with this Terry Wicket, this other guy, he also, I think he resigns from the Maker Institute as well. So that's uh, the climax in, in the resolution of the novel Aerosmith. So, <coughs> excuse me. I think it's a great novel. I think it's really worth reading, especially at this time. If you're going to go back and read one of his novels, you know, for the era of, era of COVID. I think I haven't seen a better book that gets into the politics of medicine um, in, in quite this way that I've read. I'm sure there are better novels out there that do that, but not that I've come across. And, and I was really glad to have picked this up. It's been sitting on my shelf for a long time. I never actually got around to reading it. So, um, yeah, I guess that's it. So I promised a short episode and I gave you a shorter episode. Um, next time we'll be starting our look at Elmer Gantry. So I got to finish reading it. I've, I've read a little bit of it. So I'm going to spend uh, a few days next week reading Elmer Gantry. And then I'll come back probably next weekend and do recording four episodes on Elmer Gantry. And we'll kind of continue to move along looking at these uh, novels of, of Sinclair Lewis. I'm having a lot, a lot of fun with them. I'm so glad to be back in this era of of American literary history. The early 20th century is my favorite. Jack London, of course, being the, uh, probably my, my favorite writer of that period. Um, Frank Norris, too. Go back and listen to my series on Jack London and Frank Norris. Had a lot of fun doing those. But it's nice to be back to this period. So that's going to be it for now. Let me know what you think of Aerosmith in your, if your own literary adventures brought you uh, to it. Um, now, I hope that you won't be too, uh, too uh, frightened by the subject of uh, looking at a religious nut, uh, who a corrupted religious figure, because uh, that's what we're getting in the next novel, Elmer Gantry. Much more dark, much more cynical novel than Aerosmith, um, but pretty good as well. And yeah, I look forward to talking with you about it. I'm enjoying reading it. So I'll see you next time as we jump into... Elmer Gantry and the culture wars of the That's 1920s.